That's fine. Okay, what's the story? We're up to uh, we're up to Tsuke de Zimra, I think. Oh, whatever. We're pretty pretty close to Tsuke de Zimra. What's the deal with Tsuke de Zimra? What's our relationship with Tsuke de Zimra? What's Tsuke de Zimra? What is it? What's the point? Why is the structure like this? Why are we in Tsuke de Zimra? Why are we in Tsuke de Zimra? Why are we in Why are we in Tsuke de Zimra? Like, where, where are we holding in davening? That we're in Suke de Zimra. Okay, everyone watch, because I don't know what to talk. You don't know? What's the most important part of davening? Like, what's the highest point of davening? Shemon Asrei. So work your way back. Before Shemon Asrei, you say Shema, and the brachos of Shema. So Suke de Zimra is not the least important? Not the least important. Suke de might be might be the first of your real steps towards the highest point. But if you work your way back, you have Shema, where you where you have Kabbalah Sol Malchus Shemaim, and you have an understanding of your relationship with Hashem, a re-engaging in that relationship on a daily basis. And in the morning, when we're trying to get ready, Sukkot Zimra is really getting ready for davening, right? If davening, davening is Shmon Esrei, and Shema is setting our mind straight for the exercise called Shmon Asrei, that point of connection called Shmon Asrei. Then Psuke de Zimra is the preparatory things that we need to say in order to get ready for the highest points of davening. So how, I think what we have to explore is, how does Psuke de Zimra, how does it prepare us for for the most important parts, how does Pesukah Yizimra prepare us for that, right? So first of all, just to understand, the the sources for Pesukah Yizimra are very, very, very old. The Anche Knesset Agadola, it seems like they were the ones who um, put it together exactly how we have it, but there was definitely parts of it that are already mentioned in the Gemara. The Gemara already mentions, like, Someone who says Ashrei three times a day is a Ben Olam Haba, right? It's before the Gemara. But the Gemara already, it's, like, it's already like uh, established, uh, established practice. Mentions saying Ashrei three times. I forgot who he says that I should be from the ones that finish Tehillim every day. Who said that? Rabbi Yossi. Say Ashrei Ben Olam Haba. Say three times Ashrei. Yeah. Ben Olam Haba. Right. So, so it was, it's already a very old part of Davin, meaning already very old established that this is the way that Davin is supposed to look. But what is, what is, so what just, let's just take one step back. What is, what? Three times, because you say it in the morning, you say it after Shon Esrei, and then you say it again by Mincha. Exactly, exactly. So that gets you in Olam Haba. Uh-huh. So what, um, uh, Ben Olam Haba at least. So what is the what is what does it mean psuke de zimra? What is it, just what do the words mean? Ephraim, what do the words mean psuke de zimra? Verses of song. Verses of song of zemer. Verses of song and praise. There's two. There's really multiple words for song, right? You have shir, which is a song, and zemer, which is a song. So why is the word zemer used over here? What? Oh, very good. So Ephraim's mentioning something very important that we have to understand. The, what is the process that we are doing? It's more than just singing Hashem's praises, which we will get to why in the world would we need to sing Hashem's praises. We'll get there. 
but I think it's a valid question, right? But zemer, the word zemer, means lizmor, means to cut, like to prune a tree. In order to get a tree to grow better, you sometimes have to cut it back, right? You cut off the edges, the tips. You cut off the dead little things at the end. Then, all of a sudden, it grows better. It works with beards also. Um, <laughs> they say. I don't know. I'm trying, but it doesn't, uh, hasn't worked for me. But um, they, when you cut the ends of your hair, then it grows back. It grows back even faster, healthier, stronger. So what does that mean? What were they saying when they used the word zemer in Psuke de Zimmer, the verses, the psukim of zemer? It means that these are the psukim that we can use to really prune and... Um, increase the growth of our understanding of who Hashem is. So it makes a lot of sense that in the morning you wake up and one of the first things you do is like kind of like realigning your understanding of who Hashem is with these psukim. You got half of it? You caught half of it. Good job. Like realigning what it, how it is that we think about Hashem. Right? So then, it's fine, it's fine. Franny's coming in a week. Um, so it's like realigning how we're thinking about Hashem, right? So then you have to really, I mean, you, you kind of have to pay attention to what we're saying in order to have it take that effect, make that, have that effect of actually changing the way that every day you can come to relearn what, who, who this Hashem is that we're about to talk to, right? It's almost, like, it's almost like, okay, we're setting ourselves up to talk to Hashem, but like, who is the Hashem? There's a famous story. I already can tell it to us. It might be true, it might not be. It's in a book that has a lot of stories that are not true. But no, it's a good story. We have we have so many. It's a good story from the from the Aptorab. Oh that. From the Ovi Yisrael. No, that story. Yeah. From the Ovi Yisrael. The Ovi Yisrael that he's he, they, someone saw him and he, he opened up his sitter and he started with Modani and he just stopped. And they saw he didn't go any, he didn't go right there. They asked him. He just stayed there for a while. He said, what's going on? So they asked him, what's what my high that you just like stopped davening? So he said, I don't know. I opened it up. I started saying, Moda ani lefanecha. And I started thinking, who is this ani that's talking? What is this lefanecha? What does it mean? Me? What does it mean? You? And I started thinking about these things. Like what? Like What's Descartes? I think therefore I am. I think therefore I am. So this is what the Aptorav said is, I don't, I, I just, I, I couldn't go right there. I just, I had to contemplate. I had to think about this. Uh, I had to, I had to think about it. So maybe that's the idea of Psuke de Zimra is the idea of pruning. Meaning we go through the whole day and we develop the wrong notions over the day, over every day. We develop maybe the wrong notions or incorrect notions of who Hashem is. We come every morning and we sort of hit the reset button. It's like, you want to know who Hashem is that we're about to talk to? It's contained inside of these psukim. So that means that contained inside these psukim is the correct way to approach Hashem. Okay, that's idea number one, is the idea of zemer, the idea of pruning. That, uh, I think, uh, is a pretty well accepted idea. I think it's a, that's an important thing to think about is like, also when you're thinking about setting your mind before you do something, setting your intention. So when you come to this, your intention is, what is your kavana, right? Kavana is intention. What is your kavana? Is these are the psukim that are going to reset what I think about Hashem. 
And they're going to help me frame who this Hashem is that I'm about to talk to. We use the words of David HaMelech, primarily, the words of David HaMelech, to sing praises to Hashem. Now, uh, I think it's a, a good question in all of our davening. When we start tefillah, when we start before davening, we start with praise. You have this pattern here, right? You have these psuke de zimra, and then you get into the meat of davening, let's say. This is more preparatory. But you also have it in Shimon Esrei. You start at the beginning of Shimon Esrei. The first three brachas are basically a statement of fact. You're the one who is the Magen Avraham. You're the one who is Somech Noflim, Rofei Cholim. It's less of a request for it. Chazal wrote it as more of a Shevach. Moshe Rabbeinu, when he comes to Hashem to daven for him, right, um, that he should get into Eretz Yisrael, he also starts with, you're the one, you're, you're, you know, he starts with some praise. So before he even gets to his request that he should be let... What? I heard last night. That's what I can repeat it. Yeah. From his shver, Eisenberg shver, that that the second bracha also has a request from Hashem. That's what it says. Shabbos he made like before Hashem a kreva. So what's this kreva of the Hashem? So normally it's bring close. Shabbos brings the closeness of before. He says no. The bracha of the Eino to kill everybody is normally the eighth bracha. Okay. Because of Bismillah. That's why it's eight connected Bismillah. Cool. So what do you do for Shabbos? We don't have everything. So how's anybody getting killed? <coughs> so it's the second bracha. So it's the same as the left of the Chayla. So it's Kroiva. So Shabbos is so Shabbos special. We get the, the bracha so much earlier. That's awesome. That's what the Baal Shabbos says. Ah. The Shver. The Shver. It's like you're going to... So the head of the Hashem, you don't understand the reports that happened. Uh, six, it's 300% earlier. Wow. The second bracha is ready. He's doing it already. Right. But anyway, it's, it's There it's, it's coined as a bakasha, but he's saying on Shabbos, you don't have a place for... Ref- it's not even a bakasha, it's saying he's doing it right now. Right. Ah, oh, very good. It's mamish krova lava. Before krova lava, he's adding the knech. Ah, very good. Maybe the pattern is Modaani is more on a personal level. Like it's very, very personal. So there are your praises on from a per- very personal kind of very introspective. Uh, also, Madani is your look. subconscious. No, but once you get into Bebetzchakai, you're going through, you know, all the brachas. Yeah, yeah, you might see this pattern repeated, right? But in setting us up, we're praising Hashem, right? So yeah, I mean, you might you might take a step forward and then say, okay, I need to praise Him this way, right? I need to praise Him this way. But just stam in davening when we praise Hashem, like, what does Hashem need that for? You come to Hashem and you ask what you need. Why do we need to start with a praise of Hashem? Every week, I guess, like, they know that there's a man. It's like they a sweet it. talking. They know it, but it's, it's, still, like it's still nice to hear, like, you know, good things from other people. It's not what Hashem needs. So does Hashem need that the same way that a boss needs that? I mean, like, I know that, you know, I'm running my own. No, it might be humility for yourself. Right, but it's still nice to hear from your kids, even though you're comparing your ki- yourself 
to this is what he's saying. Like you're comparing yourself. Like oh, I would have that feeling that I want to get that. I want to get that uh, praise first, and now I'll give so you your time. We answered these questions. We did. No, his question. Oh, I, I think that, that I, I think no, you're right, but I think you, what you're saying is really part of the question. Could we say that Hashem needs it the same way that uh, boss needs it, or that in interpersonal relationships, before I ask for something, I ask someone how's it going? Do, like, could we, could we say that that Hashem needs it on the same level, or is there something it's more? Not that he needs it. Not even one. It's like nothing. Appreciate. No, no there's no such thing as a pat on the back for the Eberster. No, so what's the point and this year we went to Berdetsha and Tal was translating this like this this big uh, this big paragraph that said there and it was like it was just mind blowing it's like it says like let's make a deal I'm gonna give you all my my sins and you're gonna give me all your forgiveness it's such a, a selfish thing yeah, it's just a selfish <laughs> thing but it's like that's what that's where we're coming from we're coming from a place where we're like we, we are this is who we are we're just so like selfish, and this is what we want, and this is what we need. But to get into perspective, who we are in the world, where we are coming from, and and we're just we're coming to the master universe. Who doesn't need this praise, and and we're asking you for for all this stuff. Say one more line. It also puts in perspective who you're about to ask yeah, something about. Right. I think you're saying that, right? Yeah. Like if. It, it, you're you're working on your relationship with Hashem. So by saying Hashem, you just say it in one line. Hashem, basically, you're in control of everything, right? And uh, and everything is in your world good, right? Just by saying things like that, you start now to develop a different way of asking. Now it's a different, it's a different. You're developed that relationship to a point where now when you ask, you're not just throwing things at the wall and let's see what. Now you know who you're talking to. It's like, who am I talking to? You need to establish that before you talk to them. Who am I talking to? Right? You're scrolling down your contact list. It's like, who am I calling before I say, you know, can I order a pizza to be ready in 20 minutes? Right? You have to know who you're calling. Right? But, but that, maybe that's the idea in Psuke de Zimra. is like, yeah, we're praising Hashem. And we have to understand Hashem is unchanging on one on, on on every level Hashem is unchanging and doesn't need like the same way that we human beings need this in a relationship Hashem doesn't need it but we need it we need to know who we're talking to so here it's looking at looking up who is this who is this being who is this Hashem that I'm about to approach right maybe that's that's also, it. the blessings have nothing to do with this the blessings of the to say the brachos, like the brachos. All the brachos. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're supposed to say as you're doing things. Uh huh. Now, now we do it in the show because uh, it's too hard to have it in so we said it as part of tefillah, but really that's not just... Not tefillah. Too good zimmer's when tefillah starts. I'm, I'm, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm... The kabonis is when the tefillah starts. The kabonis is the... Oh, you don't like tefillah. Ah, so yeah, there's a... Oh, you don't like tefillah. 
Asiya. And then here, by Psukit Zimmer, we're stepping into. So your mom is traveling in the higher realms, right? Um, okay, okay. So that's, you know, in terms of framing, framing our discussion about Psukit Zimra. I think as we go through the paragraphs, I'm not sure exactly how we're going to do it. Maybe we'll point out the, you know, uh, you know, take a look in the English and, and or or as you're davening, you know, this week and next week. Um, just take a look and maybe each paragraph we can pull out some things that talk to us, right? Pull out some sukkim that you're like, oh, that drives home the point. You know, what, what does that mean? You could ask that question also, right? And then like that drives home the point of like, oh, this is like a different... Uh, uh, the co- this is all the correct in psukim is all the correct way to think about Hashem. So let's find those psukim. It's, it's every single one, but let's find the ones that talk to us personally. We say, oh, that helps me establish this about Hashem, or that helps me establish this about my relationship. Things, ideas inside of psukim that because I think when you do that, it becomes like I, for me. I'll tell you personally, like it's not not every. It's very hard in 17 minutes or 15 minutes or 20 minutes to have kavana on on every single one every single line is like you go slow and everything like that right but the but but if you have like these islands inside of psuke de zimra like these psukim that talk to you then it's like okay i could say it at a normal pace but when i get to that pasuk it's like it keys something in for me like highlight that line. it's highlight it's a highlighted line and that's okay to have certain lines that it's like that talks to me so maybe we could bring out some of those things that 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 talk to us um that speak to us and that will you know help us as we as we uh you know travel through psuke de zimra each morning uh, developing sort of our perspective, doing that pruning, doing that cleaning up, hitting that reset, daily reset button on how we think about Hashem, as opposed to all the chrump that we built up over time and over, you know, thinking Hashem is this, uh, you know, the lightning bolt that's going to come get you, or Hashem is upset at you, or Hashem is, you know, to understand that these psukim don't, don't, aren't referring to that. These psukim are referring to the fact that we have a relationship with Hashem, that our relationship is alive and well, that our relationship can be improved on, that we have a baseline relationship. Everyone has a baseline relationship with Hashem and that we can do amazing things with that relationship. Dehainu, I'm referring to what we're about to do, which is the actual prayers. Um, so it starts, it all starts with psukim. Have okay. you seen anything why Shabbos is expanded? Ah, uh, you have more time. What? You don't have to go to work. <laughs> I don't know. We have to talk about it. It's a good question. What do you What do you think? So you have to yeah. say Shabbos during the weekend. What? Oh, you don't have work. <laughs> I hear. <laughs> I hear. Why is two kids in longer on Shabbos? How we do already? Shabbos. Fill in the wife. It's the Tehillim. The ones that are added are the Tehillim Shabbos. Right. Right. Don't put your trust in in donors. Don't put your, your trust in 
Just hot. This is all. Yeah, it's all a game, right? We we have no right. Everything comes from this world. You see, also the same the same mitzvah. We say, "Boyni Yerushalayim Hashem." It's an active Boyni Yerushalayim. Kodesh Baruch Hu is building Yerushalayim right now. I we don't see it. We have to understand that Kodesh Baruch has a whole world that's going on around us that we don't even understand how it's it's happening, but we recognize it through our through our field. I just want to mention, you're, those are sort of going to talk to you, but like, if you're focused on this and establishing who this Hashem is, then it makes a lot of sense that the halacha is that once you start Baruch Shamar, until Yishtabas, it's one long idea. This is, the you know, is like the introduction to the introduction, but definitely within Psuke de Zimra, you're not supposed to talk uh, ancillary things or things that are not connected to tefillah, right? You're not supposed to talk. Now, is that just a restrictive rule that they said, oh, this is important, don't talk. No. They're setting you up for success, right? The halacha is, the halacha of not talking is setting you up for successful davening. It's saying, don't break your concentration. You've got to stay focused here because think about it also if in between Yishtabach and Barhu you start schmoozing, then think about what that does for what you just built. You just built an understanding of who Hashem is. You focused on psukim like Rabbi Wolby's pointing out. There's so many psukim in here that are like so, like just refocusing, reframing. And then you stop by Yishtabach and you go take a phone call. And then you come back to, you, you just broke what you built, right? Your cement just dried. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you just like crumbled, right? You built something. Now take it with you into Shema. Take it with you, what you now built from Shema. Take it with you into Shema Nesri. That's why there's halachas about not talking. is because you're building here. You're building a structure and you have to stay focused on that structure. Okay, talk more next week. Uh, okay. In a different location. All right, so uh, what I'd like to... To introduce, uh, first of all, I just want to mention, tonight happens to be my grandfather's yard site. Menachem Mendel ben Yitzchak, um, passed away 22 years ago. It's very close to this particular grandfather, my mother's father. And uh, what's interesting is, is that uh, just a little bit in appreciation, he was, uh, his, uh, he, he, his enjoyment in in mitzvahs and in Shabbos and Sukkis and things like that were, were pal- palpable and it passed down, something that, uh, that works. The, the, the doing things with the gishmak, with the lebedekite, with the happiness has kiyom. It's interesting, just a little bit of an introduction. So I, I, I actually, you know, I don't feel really right to talk much about, uh, about Brasil Torah in general and Sipurim in particular. But uh, I did uh, many, many years ago read this, this particular story as well as pretty much the stories of, uh, of Rav Nachman. And, um, and uh, you know, he writes about this particular story that it's impossible. Impossible not to have Hiruri Tshuva, uh, to have, uh, to, that, that it's impossible not to have an effect just reading through the story, even if you're not getting the full depth of the story. Um, so I'd like to give a little bit of an insight into, into why, what I, you know, how this works. Um, it's interesting also is that uh, um, 
who knows? Uh, you know, it, it, it reads like a fairy tale, which is, um, I always loved fairy tales growing up as a little kid. I was very into it. I used to, I like, uh, have a Bacchus and all the Hans Christian Andersen stories and all the <laughs> Grimm brothers. And uh, I, I, I read all of those as a, as a child and I still, you know, and I, they, they, uh, who knows what, how these stories began. They were just collecting stories. They were stories that were around for a very, very, very long time. These are the stories that, uh, that parents told over their children, put them to bed, whatever it was. Things, you know, ideas get them, you know, there's something, there's something very powerful about it. And um, he really, many of the stories that he has, you know, has aspects of, of a lot of these, of a lot of these fairy tales that we might be familiar with. But um, my belief is, is that there's a reason why those stories were around. There, there is some, there's a way, it was a way probably to convey very, very important deep principles, deep ideas, and, um, and, and couched in a, in a, in a story. Um, so, what is it about this story that makes it his first story? What what is it about the story that makes it the most uh, you know such a such a uh, you know that you write a, an entire book on the story? What's going on with that? What's up with that? So just uh, before I get to that, I just want to a little bit to explain my um, an interesting uh, phenomena. About, uh, about Hasidus in general. There was a tremendous amount of opposition to Baal Shem Tov when he founded Hasidus. And if you had to pick the, you know, the Hasidus that really took the brunt of the opposition, it would probably be Breslov and maybe Chabad. You know, they, they, they take turns. They're both, uh, and they both really got, got the most uh, hate okay, from, from, every, from every angle. It's interesting is that the Hasidim themselves, other Hasidim, normally think that, okay, he's a Hasid of this rabbi, that rabbi, what's, what's exactly, what's the difference already? But, the, but in terms of the, uh, the, the against, uh, being against it, I don't know if you ever read, there's a story here from, uh, who was it, Sral Doiv Udzer, it was like his biography, and uh, he, was, uh, he lived pretty recently, and he, uh, and, uh, he, he read some some things from Breslov, and he got very enamored by it. And uh, but he was vilified. He came from a regular Hasidish home of like whatever standard Hasidus, you know, not specific to a particular rabbi. And as soon as he expressed some interest in Breslov, he was like made fun of and laughed at. And that's the, that's the legacy of uh, of Breslov Hasidus. And I, I don't really understand why, in particular. Uh, my own exposure to to Breslov originally probably. See, I was yeshiva bachar or whatever, you know, and uh, I remember these, these guys who would come around to the yeshivas and they'd hand out the, the, pen, the little books. And I was Ula. like, what? The little, little pekalach, the tiny little books. Um, written in English or, or Hebrew, whichever you're more comfortable with. You know, and they had an uncanny sense of like, you know, he saw a guy's a bachar and looks a little older. He gave him like about finding your shidduch, you know, getting, you know. He's just, they're like, whatever. It, wasn't, it didn't take, to, you know, such brain surgery. But bottom line is, is that there was written very, I was a, I was a newlywed and I was reading it and I was like, talking about, you know, Shalom Pais or whatever. And like, you know, talked very softly and very gently. And it was like something that, you know, that really, you know, whatever. That was, I guess, an introduction a little bit to, 
to Breslov, which is interesting yeah. to come from such a backward, backwards pizza way. Store. Pizza <laughs> store, right? This guy in the pizza shop, whatever, and wood burn yeah. somewhere. Whatever. It's like, and uh, then I read a, a biography of uh, one of the biographies. He, you know, he also gave me. So I, so I was interested. He's like, oh, this guy's interesting. He's like, gave me, gave me a full fat biography of that. Same about, guy's still doing the same thing. He's still doing it, right? Right. Anyway. So whatever, I read the biography, and I was very, very taken by, by the biography. Um, and, um, and, I would, and, I, and I somehow got a hold of a Likud Maran and read, read a lot of it, and I was, found it very eye-opening. And, um, so, and, and somewhere along the way, I ended up reading through the stories. Now, what's special about this particular story um, is it's really like a very short story. It's, a, it's like a typical fairy tale in that regard. It's like a couple of pages. And it reads like a fairy tale. It's like a princess, and there's a, and there's a king, and uh, the princess is taken away, and there's a minister or an officer is trying to find this princess. And that, that search process, the process of searching for the princess, is the story. And what's interesting to, to me, what spoke to me most, and what I think is, the, is, is why this story pulls at your heart so much, and actually, it's it, like... like uh, it's true. You change. You become a changed person if you really read it with an open heart. To some degree, it will pull you in a direction to, uh, because he talks all about. And it's like one word that to me is like a very very strong word. In general, it's, the, it's called yearning. He brings out the idea of yearning, yearning, and that's something that's like you're you're trying to tap into something that's a very very deep and strong, an inner ratzon, an inner will that you have deep, deep inside of you that, that, that you, your life doesn't, in general, doesn't really bring that out. You're really too busy with life to actually live life and to actually touch your inner desires. And, uh, and, and when you come into a Jewish soul, a Jewish neshama, there's a tremendous, tremendous yearning that's deep inside, embedded in, of, in us, in all of us. And that, to me, is something that's very, very, very powerful, as a, uh, especially as the story brings out, and especially, I'm sure, I didn't read his elaboration of it and what he's trying to do with it, that a story of three, four pages can be like a big, fat book is, is miraculous. Uh, but uh, the bottom line is, is, that, is that just that core, that idea of yearning and t- tapping into the inner desire of what a human being has is something that is very, very, very powerful. So I'm warning everybody here who's, who's going to be reading this, yeah. you know, like you have to be willing to allow yourself to get touched, because it can, it will happen. That's, that's what you have to be open to, you have to be open to that. Um, um, why is it that, uh, that, uh, that Breslov gets, gets so knocked around? I, I, I can't explain it, but um, it's something, uh, it's part of their, it's part of what they're, you know, it, it's um, maybe, maybe, I don't know, sort of like uh, had this discussion about uh, it, it's a way of weeding out the people who aren't sincere. It's a way of uh, getting somebody who's not really, really wanting, so then it's easy to turn away. Um, and only people who have really a deep reason to, to actually a will to a will, or they have a will to want to, to get to that will, to get to their yearning, to open up and wake up that yearning, that's who it's for. And that's, and, it's, and, and by having 
all these uh, naysayers against them. Um, I, I never understood it, honestly. I really never understood it. I still remember, like, a, um, I have a friend growing up. We were in grade school together. And his grandfather was, you know, a survivor. And he was one of the early Breslov, yeah, he was like one of the big people in the Breslov, Breslov Stiebel in, uh, in Muncie, growing where I grew up in Muncie. I went to the Stiebel and his, and his father was showing me around. And you see a bunch of old, you know, older Hasidim and, you know, whatever. And he said, uh, one thing I'm going to tell you is that everyone here in this room are like, you know, hardcore Tamid HaChachamim. Hardcore, like real, real deal. And they're best of a Hasidim, you know, like you never would have known it. They, they walk around and not carrying themselves in a very high way. That's like one of the best of her, you know, that's their stemple, that's their stamp that they have, that they don't, they don't have much, much ears about themselves. And, um, and uh, you know, but, uh, but they were very, very, very into learning. And they studied best of a Torah. And it's interesting, but I suppose, you know, real Yorish Shemayim, real, real Yorish Shemayim, and I was uh, amazed by, by what I saw. I heard a shir from one of the people there. And um, when I talked to my Shemeshkech about it, it's like, yeah, of course they have Yari Shemayim. Uh, yeah. I don't know, like I couldn't understand like, the, the, how they, they were like, like it's like he's still like, it's like just because he's the anical of, uh, of Baal Shem, the, the things he's said, whatever. I didn't understand, didn't speak to me, his like, Machin Revek, but I'm saying, I guess he, was, he didn't want me turning into a breast of earth, which I can't understand. Um, I do have a, a word, a word of caution. Um, I think you know, like as as any as anything, as any any movement, you can take you can take something too far. It's always for sure true. Um, Musar can be taken way too far. Right? Uh, all, all things, uh, everything can be taken out of out of bounds if it's not not being done carefully. And one of the ad, attitudes, so to speak, that that Breslov pushes or works on. Is um, is just being you know being in the hands of Hashem and, and recognizing that and so so for instance uh, Rabbi Yakobian had the, his ha- his apartment rented out to his to a Breslov family um, okay whatever it's like fine what's a, what's the big deal he says no you don't understand he says if there's like a leak in their in their house and it's dripping and it's very uncomfortable they're just saying it's minashemayim and they're like they're just working with it you know what I'm saying they're like it's like they're not like like you don't know what I'm saying like they don't say well maybe the message is to like fix the you know fix the leak you know it's like they work so hard on um, on accepting everything that they that they don't they don't do anything to, to sort of better their circumstance. And that's a dangerous, I guess, a dangerous side of Brasov. And I, I, I wouldn't say that, uh, that, I mean, Rav Nachman was, was nothing like that. And, you know, it's whatever. You know, he's talking to people about, like, who want to control everything and do everything. And then, and, you know, it's like, okay, mister, don't be so sure. Don't be so in control of your own life. But... That doesn't mean that, you know, if there's something that you can easily do to make your life a little bit easier, that you shouldn't be doing that, okay? People do take these ideas too far, and that's, again, word of uh, caution. I just want to, um, just, I guess, sum, sum up with the, with the message. Um, in general, in, in, any, in anything that, you know, that especially it's, it's written by somebody very... You know, in, in our times, he's, he's 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 interpreting 
in, in his way. So the way I always feel the right thing to do is approach it with a, with a, a clear mind and an open heart. That's a, you know, so make sure they have both, both of those engaged. An open heart that you're willing to, if you can draw your inspira- inspiration that's positive, that's an amazing thing. But also make sure to always go in with a clear mind, clarity, understanding. Don't, uh, and those are, those are that's basically a general word of advice in general in all, in all endeavors like this. And I think, uh, I think it's, uh, this is a, a journey. And um, we'll hand it over to uh, Rabbi Yaakov to give a little bit of uh, what the process is in the, in the book club. Okay. Just, uh, you're, you're still okay?